breaking off. I'm gonna. Huh? <laughs> if it gets a little loud, I'm sorry, but it's a, it's the sound of freedom, right? Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm from an F-15 unit, so I get it. I miss. I miss. <laughs> but, I was really looking forward to this too because it's really, you know, I think it's really interesting to see it from from both perspectives. So I, you know, I love hearing input from a chief and being able to compare what I experienced versus you, and even being able to find that common ground. Uh, you know, in the in that mop scenario, like as funny as it is, um, you know, I think that's that's really, I think that's really fascinating. I think it's awesome. Now, and, and just remember to carry that with you. Absolutely, don't ever, that's, that's don't ever forget that. Because I've had, you know, supervisors who who have done that. Who you know, I've looked up to them, like extraordinarily. So you know, that's the exact kind of leader that I want to be for my airmen that I lead. It, it makes you, so, I mean, think back to, I mean, I think back to, you know, it's 30 years ago I saw this, you know, and, and I've seen it from time to time still, but not always. Um, it, it's one of those things, you'll follow that person. You'll listen to that person because you are that person. Welcome to another episode of Chevron's, the podcast of the Illicit Force. I'm Chief Master Sergeant Sean Sullivan. And I'm A1C Francesca Scredulis. Today we have some awesome guests. We're really excited. Uh, Chief Master Sergeant Sean Withers. Um, he is the Chief of the Training and Education Center, TEC University at McGee Tyson Air National Guard Base. And Senior Airman James Newsom, one of our barnstormers out of the 104th Fighter Wing. Gentlemen, I want to start this off because uh, this this was one of my most anticipated episodes just because we have Chief Withers and we have Airman Newsom, uh, and we're going to be able to uh, talk education on both ends. Uh, but first, we I want to get a little background on both of you. Uh, Chief Withers, you've been described as the most interesting airman in the Air National Guard. Uh, I got to start with that. So tell us a little bit about yourself, your military story, uh, your current position. Um, and just, uh, uh, why are you the most interesting man in the Air National Guard? Uh, th that came along, um, I can't believe you brought that up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, that, that came along um, from a resiliency event. Uh, so, long story short, so first off, I'm originally from Massachusetts as well, and uh, started with the 104th, back when they had A-10s. Uh, got into flight school, uh, in Florida, so transitioned down to the Florida Air National Guard when I was 18 years old, put myself through flight school, and I was a, a photographer, videographer in the Guard, and the 125th offered me a full-time job. My, my goal was to be a pilot. Uh, I did get a pilot's license and do a bunch of fun stuff, but then uh, I realized I had the coolest job in the military, and that was doing photo, video, and eventually public affairs, and um, I know there's not a whole lot of love for, for that career field sometimes, but I, I will tell you for somebody that, uh, and this will lead into the most interesting man thing, uh, for somebody that gets involved with just about everything, uh, it was a great career field because I've, I've crawled around in gas tanks of F-15s, uh, I've done investigations, I've done aerial photography. So, I mean, for somebody that, you know, you just didn't know what you're going to do, no matter what, you know, what day of the week it was, it was fantastic. Uh, which leads to the most interesting um, man in the guard, the video that the, uh, the group here did a few years ago. Um, my outside life, so outside the military, um, I'm very active. Uh, I haven't actually flown in a while. I've gotten a whole lot more takeoffs and landings recently. 
Um, since 2008, I've been a very active skydiver. Uh, I've gone through brewing and distilling school, so I am an active brewer. Uh, I ride motorcycles regularly. I rebuild cars. I still actually have my first car. It's a 1966 Chevelle, and we're about to put it back on the road. It is originally a Massachusetts car. Uh, second owner on it. Bought it when I was 13. Um, so the weird part is, is uh, in 2014, I ran into a, a pretty significant health issue. And um, I now have cow parts in my heart. Uh, so I have a valve, a cow valve in my heart. Um, not due to bad eating or, or bad anything, you know, uh, it was just one of those, they said it's a birth defect that was never caught. And I, I'm very happy about that because it took them almost 30 years to find out I shouldn't be in the military. And by that point, it's too late to, to throw me out. And uh, there was a big resiliency story in that. And the fact that six months after I go through open heart surgery, they put a, a big piece of cow in me and uh, I'm running five K's and getting out there and, and I, you just don't quit. Uh, there's never an excuse. Uh, so, so that's where they, they decided to do a story. Uh, it was one of the four pillars of resiliency. And, and that's where that came from. Uh, and and I, I can't believe you brought that up. <laughs> we, we find anything as a, as a former police detective. Um, I put my best co-detective, my co-host on this. And that's where that came up. Uh, I, I have one follow on question with that. Uh, as a former rotary wing aviator, I always found it best to balance my takeoffs and landings like a one for one. So you mentioned that you had more takeoffs than landings. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, I go up with the airplane now, but I don't come down with it anymore. Ah, uh, because you like to jump out of it. That's correct. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, same question for you, uh, uh, Senior Ammon Newsom. Uh, over there at the 104th, I'm, I'm so excited in my new position. I'm going to get to come out there and spend some time with you. But tell us about yourself, your military story. Uh, what do you do? <laughs> yes, sir. So I am um, from Massachusetts. Currently, um, I think we lost him. I think we've got some technical difficulties over there. Um, so we move on, I guess. Yes, you know what? Uh, we'll get uh, we'll get Senior Emma New uh, Newsom right back on here. Uh, I want to press a little bit more. Yeah, sounds good. Um, chief Withers, you're the chief of the TEC University. What exactly do you do? Great question, and I'm glad you asked that one. Uh, so TechU is four guardsmen by guardsmen. So everybody here, with the exception of one, we have one active duty person that uh, resides in our studio capability. But our goal is to provide leadership and professional development to the 100% of airmen. So our goal is to have courses, uh, products, and, and a lot of educational material uh, available to every guardsman, not just the ones that work full time, uh, so everything we do is actually public facing and you can get to it from your smartphone, your smart device. We have from the force, which is basically like YouTube and we're crowdsourcing that. We actually ask airmen from all over the country to submit their videos. We'll give it a, a quick PA look, see, make sure you're not saying anything crazy or wearing the uniform out. But uh, if you're an expert or really good at something and you think you can help the other 90 units or 108,300 airmen out there, we're accepting videos all the time and we put it into a, like I said, a, a video on demand platform that you guys can get anywhere at any time, as long as there's an internet connection. Wow. We're also doing what's called building the blue. And that uh, 
uh, one of the, the big issues we've through research noticed in, in the Air National Guard is a lot of your support agencies will never get to a five or a seven level school. Everybody gets to go to three level school, but it's rare for a PA or a personnelist or somebody else uh, in those support agencies to ever see five or seven level courses because, well, we don't have the money and there's just not a lot of days to, to do that. So we tend to target the maintenance people that need to, and it's a requirement for them. Uh, so what we're doing, um, we've done a couple beta tests. We worked with the public affairs career field manager last year, and we built a one week in residence uh, course um, that targets public affairs readiness. So you go online, you go through our learning management system or LMS, similar to what colleges are doing now. Uh, you take a couple prerequisite courses, you come down here and you do a one week exercise. So it's not death by PowerPoint. It's not, you know, let's all sit around and stare at each other. Um, kind of the old school way we used to do training, but you do an actual exercise. You will go through media training. You will go through accident response. You will go through all those things. And that is, again, in conjunction with um, the career field managers. We've also worked with like A1D to work on MyPERS uh, training because they've changed the way they've done a lot of that. So uh, they've come down here, they spent time in our studio and we'll record videos of them doing how-tos. So we're, we're really targeting a lot of that stuff. The other thing we're really trying to help out with is one of the other problems that's a bit systemic in the Air National Guard is we have the mentality that, hey, if you're really good at your job, you can also teach it. That, you know, as soon as you get staff sergeant, tech sergeant, master sergeant, you start giving your skills through OJT to other folks. And that's a fantastic thing, but not everybody is a teacher. Uh, we have an, uh, an uncredited course. So you get three college credits if you come to our campus and you do our instructor certification program. Um, it is CCAF accredited, like I said, three credits in instructor methodology. We've also partnered with Pellissippi State University locally, and you will get um, CEUs. It's 7.6 CEUs for the ICP class. And I want to say for the one week in public affairs, we're at like 4.6 CEUs, free of charge to your airmen. And again, targeting guardsmen, uh, CEUs, um, they're education units that help with professional development that a lot of your employers ask for. So your part-time guardsmen is, is where we're really targeting with this. And now you've got certified professional development training. Uh, so that's really what we're trying to do here. And then, of course, what we're really famous for is our video productions. Uh, we've kind of taken a different approach and really geared towards uh, training and education with our video productions. Uh, not too long ago, you guys at the, at the wings were doing your roundups. There was a collect and report. So pre-deployment training, a lot of those vid, you know, video projects. And, and those came out of here, uh, working with the folks at the readiness center to, to try to take some of your ancillary training seat time away and give you, you know, the ability to go do your jobs on your weekends. That's, that's really cool. I had no idea there were so many, uh, programs, um, especially the, the building, the blue and, you know, the instructor certification, that stuff is really cool. And that's the ignorance. I think that we have, sometimes we think of TEC, we think of only PME and there's just yeah. so much more that goes on there beyond just the PME piece that it, it's it, awesome. It's really great to hear this. Um, I see that we got, uh, senior Airman Newsom back on, uh, senior Airman Newsom, let's do a quick comm check. Yeah. How, how, how do we hear you? You got me loud and clear. I got you the same. Outstanding. Um, you sounded like uh, R2-D2 there last time. Uh, so now uh, I can actually hear your voice. Yep. Uh, Senior Edmund 
I want to go back to uh, the initial question. Tell me about yourself, uh, your military story, uh, your civilian, what do you do uh, on the civilian side, and your current position? Yes, sir. So um, my Air Force career started uh, active duty. I was active duty for four years. Uh, I was in Malmstrom, Montana. Uh, I worked with ICBMs, so stuck in a hole in the ground in the silos four years, not jumping out of planes, unfortunately. But uh, nonetheless, unique experience, and I enjoyed it. Um, I was out for about five months I, after that enlistment, and uh, I, I just I couldn't find a way to recreate the like the trust and the bonds that you get in the military. So it was very hard for me to transition to civilian life, full full civilian life, and uh, you know really get the same kind of atmosphere that I was I was looking for. So at that point, yeah, it was about five months later. Uh, one of my friends actually introduced me to the one of fourth and um, piqued my interest a little bit. It's right where I'm from. I'm from Massachusetts as well. And it's a 20 minute drive from where I grew up. So it's kind of the best of both worlds and here back at home. And uh, shortly after I, I enlisted here, I've been here about a couple, two, two, little over two years now. I'm a flight line crew chief. Absolutely loving it. It's a, it's a great time. Um, and yeah, that's kind of where, where I end up. I'm full time out here. So not, not traditional technician full-time um, and no plan on going anywhere. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a fantastic, uh, fantastic opportunity here. Well, this, this is something I just noticed. This is what I'd like to draw upon and why uh, my co-host and I love having a senior enlisted perspective and a junior enlisted perspective because you see some crossover here. One thing that just hit me is that Chief Withers, in your case, um, you had something catastrophic happen to you at the 30-year mark and I'm sure you had to fight to stay in and maintain your time in uniform. And Senior Manusum, you stepped out and after four months, you noticed that there was something missing in your life and you brought it back in. Uh, I'd like both of you just expand, uh, ex expand a little bit about what this profession of arms means to you and what, what are the intrinsic things that are driving you to want to stay in uniform and to maintain uh, being an air warrior? And Senior Newsom, I'm, I'm going to start with you. What drove you back in? What, what do you think are the one or two things that were really missing that made you mm -hmm. want to come back in and stay? Sure. Yeah. So I, I, at first, you know what? I, I'm not even going to say at first because pretty much right from the beginning, I, I was second guessing my decision. Um, you know, I knew coming back into civilian life, you, you may not always end up with a supervisor who has your back or, you know, will defend you. Um, you know, even at the risk of his own, his own reputation, you know, uh, by any means necessary, you know, that's just something that I couldn't find on the outside um, before and after um, my first enlistment. So, you know, it, it was just, I found that what I value most is, is trust, not only in my subordinates, but my leadership. So it was very hard for me to kind of to lose a bit of that on the outside. I just, I, I wasn't, I just didn't have the confidence that I had when I was in. So, you know, I just, and I, I think it's really important to, to, uh, to have a like mindset with a lot of the people that, you know, you're working with every day. And I know that's something that I have, um, you know, with most who, who are in the military currently. So, you know, I think that just builds rapport and, and at the end of the day helps to get the job done, you know, in the safest way possible. And, you know, the, the most fluid way possible, I should say, uh, you know, when you really trust the guy next to you, I have, I can't tell you how many friends I have on the outside who, you know, no matter how much 
money they make, they all just seem to be miserable. Oh, I hate this guy. This guy that I work with, my supervisor, he just, you know, he really, he really just, uh, you know, screwed me over. He, he, he didn't care, even though I, you know, I was in the right and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's just, it's one thing after the next. And, you know, it's just something that I, I never really see as much in the military, just because of that underlying trust that everyone has, you know, with each other. And that's something I just, I found that I, I, I didn't know I valued, but once I got out, it really became apparent. And that's really what kind of pulled me back. And I, I definitely not regret it. I know it was the right choice because I've, I've loved being back ever since, uh, you know, ever since I reenlisted. And that ties into one of the uh, one of the leadership books I read, where they talk about uh, the four the four uh, most basic needs of a follower, and one of them is being trust. You know, being feeling as though they're trusted by their leadership and trusting in their leadership. So it, it's nice to see that that we're still fostering that across the military, and that keeps people in chief. Uh, same question: uh, over thirty years, and uh, you still want to serve? What's driving it? Uh, absolutely, there, there's no question about my desire to continue to serve. Uh, so one, extremely thankful for the military, uh, specifically the Air Guard, where I've spent my entire career. Uh, you know, without it, I wouldn't have seen, done, learned, experienced a lot of things. And I think what, what drives me to continue to serve is absolutely the people. Um, our mission is really cool. We have a great mission here. It'll, I don't believe it'll ever go away. Training and education is something that's fantastic. Uh, I do miss the public affairs world and getting to interact with a lot of people, uh, telling the story of the Air Force and the Air National Guard, and sometimes at, at the DOD level, uh, helping people. Um, the beauty of the Air National Guard is we don't have just a federal mission, but we have a state mission. And every once in a while, they'll reach back to us here to help out because we do have some experience uh, our other fellow PA on staff here, uh, Mass Sergeant Smith and I worked a lot of uh, hurricane response over the last few years. Uh, so you're actually helping U.S. citizens, and it's not always just in a foreign nation. But I'm, I'm going to kind of back up what uh, Senior Newsom said, Newsom said is there is a lot of trust here. I mean, is, is it perfect every day? Absolutely not. But I go home every day and I listen to uh, my wife talk about you know, her civilian job, and she's a retired uh, air guardsman, aircraft maintenance, first sergeant for a long time. And she keeps telling me when you do retire, you're not going to like it. Uh, the people here, developing people, working with people, seeing what we can do. Uh, we haven't failed. We, we don't get along sometimes. Uh, but there is a camaraderie here. I think someone way smarter than me once said, you know, strong bonds are uh, forged in fire. Uh, we're always under the gun. We're always doing something. I mean, I know it may seem mundane some days on drill weekends or even full time where you're just kind of doing the same thing over and over and over again. But we've all raised a right hand. And I know that's cliche and everybody has said it, but we did. We've all raised a right hand. We've all volunteered to go somewhere and do something and serve a, a bigger and a higher purpose. And when we do that with our fellow airmen in, in a lot of cases in the joint world, you build relationships that really can't be broken. I still talk to people that I haven't seen in over 20 years, but you'll get the random email or you'll send them a random email or it's a text message. I mean, th those are bonds that just don't go away. I remember my dad told me at the beginning when I first enlisted that you'll end up having a friend in every state. And I did almost within the first four years. Yep, exactly. Yeah, I went to a Marine Corps boot camp and somebody sent me a Facebook page where, you know, it, 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 it's for Marines, you know, former Marines only. And it's an opportunity to go back in and reconnect with old friends. I went to boot camp in 1983. I jumped on there 
uh, geez, about a week and a half ago, I've already reconnected with eight or nine people that I went to boot camp with in 1982, uh, 83. Uh, so yes, the, the bonds are lasting and, and lifetime. Thank you for uh, sharing that with me. Yeah. Uh, part, part of this podcast is um, getting, like we said, getting both ends of the perspective. So um, what I'm asking as, as an airman is Airman Newsom, um, you're mentioning, you know, having that trust between your team. Um, mm-hmm. What do you look for from the airman, your airman under you, your peers, whoever? Um, what do you think is the most important attribute? What do you want them to do to show them that you're you're here and you're in it and like what will make them succeed? Um, so, I mean, what I look for, whether it's somebody above or below me, um, I just think the most important thing you can have, this, you know, it goes along with trust is the ability to speak out. So if they do or don't like something, um, you know, I don't want them to be afraid to let me know or just be able to speak up and let anyone know about it. And I think that I've seen it both ways, right? Like when I first joined, I, I saw it. You know, um, we had a lot of newer guys who necessarily may not have been listened to as much, even if their input was valuable, it wasn't taken as serious. And you can see such a difference in like the morale and the productivity of a shop based on, um, you know, the airman's empowerment or anyone's empowerment, really. Like if your voice is valued, I think it, it has a direct correlation to the productivity of the mission as a whole. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then Chief Weathers, the same thing, you know, what do you want to see in either the airmen coming in through the TEC, what's going to help them succeed? Or, you know, you've done lots of lots of missions, like you said, working with other people. What do you want to see from them? There's a couple of things I look for in everybody, even when team building. Uh, what I really want to see is effort. You know, are you coming to work every day to, you know, right after our second core value, excellence in all we do. So I'm looking for effort. Um, the other thing a lot of people are afraid to talk about it. accountability. Um, I will flat tell you, I find new and creative ways to mess things up every day. I don't make the same mistake twice and be accountable for it. One of the best things I was taught in a long, long, long time ago was it's okay to own your mistake. Don't make it over and over and over again because that's not a mistake, that's a trend. And the other thing is, is when you make a mistake, walk in my office, Tell me you've made that mistake and give me a couple solutions to it. I love it when airmen walk in and go, hey, chief, we've got an issue. Here's the issue. Here's how we're handling it. And at that point, I go, rock on, handle it. Or, hey, maybe let's sit down and talk about your decision-making paradigm there and how did we get there. You know, and then you're providing guidance, but you're empowering them to, to fix their, their issues. And I, I think that's important. Um, so I'm really looking for effort and accountability when people walk in my office or when I'm walking around and just talking to people. Definitely. Um, and then what I was going to ask as a follow-up to both of you is, um, does that change when you're looking at what you want to see in your leaders? Oh, senior Newsom, I think you're muted. I was muted. There's jets outside. I wasn't want to, I don't want to overload the chat with uh, the beautiful, beautiful F-15 noises. I don't have that here. Uh, so I would love to listen to it. <laughs> oh, you'll hear they're going to take off in just a few minutes. I'll try to mute them. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I think uh, at any level, uh, at the highest level and even at the lowest level, um, I think, yeah, I don't think it changes at all. I think as long as your voice is valued and your input is valued, I think that just 
overall increases the mission's effectiveness entirely. I mean, if it doesn't matter who you are, if you feel like you're not being listened to, I mean, that's just, it's just going to start a, a, an array of problems that can easily be avoided just by having um, anybody just hear you out or listen to what you have to say. Yeah. It's part of creating that culture, you know, like, exactly. you know starting at the top. Yep. Chief Withers. No, I, I don't think it changes at all. I, I owe you effort and accountability as much as you owe me effort and accountability. Uh, I worked for a, a senior a long time ago because we didn't have chiefs in our career field at the time. And uh, on Fridays, he would get the mop out. We would clean up the old photo lab. Yes, yeah, a long time ago. We had chemicals and stuff. <laughs> but he would clean up, start mopping up the, the photo lab. I and mean, here's your senior. This is the guy that runs your organization. And I'm an A1C senior airman. Uh, and I'm just kind of going, what the? And he's like, hey, I won't ask you to do anything I won't do. So I expect my leadership to bring effort and then be accountable to me too. It's not always what you want to hear, but you owe an answer to your airmen, good or bad. I mean, we're going through some pretty interesting stuff right now uh, in our country with vaccinations and mandates and those kind of things. And, you know, some people are happy, some people are sad. Uh, there's a lot of frustration happening, but the answer is, is, you provide the information uh, as best you can. I owe that to them. That's the effort I bring and the accountability I bring to our airmen. And then, you know, if it's not what they want to hear, how do you sit down and, and get them through whatever issues it's creating? Yes, I, I, I believe, you know, any person that walks through the door here, I, I don't see a change. We, we all owe the same thing. Chief, I think it's great that you mentioned that, that mop example, because funny enough, the same thing happened to me when I first joined my, uh, one of my instructors in tech school did exactly that. And I believe he was either a tech or a mass sergeant at the time. And uh, he, at the end of every day, we'd mop the hallways, sweep the hallways, mop the hallways. Um, and he'd be out there doing it with us. Mm -hmm. And it like, to me as a, a new airman who just joined, I mean, that was like, it was the best thing ever because, you know, you see everything on TV and it's, it, you know, just what you see in movies. And that's the last thing you expect is one of them to come and, put themselves, you know, in your shoes, same thing. Like I wouldn't ask you to do anything that I wouldn't do. And that left such a, a good taste in my mouth versus um, certain individuals that I've met who, you know, had the polar opposite. And it, it starts from the ground up, right. Or starts from the very beginning. Uh, a lot of the times where you can set either a good tone or a bad tone. And, um, you know, I think it affects directly like their rate of progression, because if you, develop sour airmen who are going to come up, you know, hating their supervisors or not trusting their supervisors, then it's just going to escalate. It's going to spread like wildfire. But if you start from day one, um, you know, leaving these, these good impressions on, on young impressionable airmen, um, you know, it's just, it's just going to spread uh, in, in the best way possible. So, I mean, I've had supervisors like that and I mean, the morale was amazing. We, it, there was there was no issues and I've seen it both ways. So I think that's that's really that's really cool that, that you know you saw the same thing because that that made a very, very good impression on me. And that was a great way to to start a career is to see something like that in the military. Absolutely. I love this dialogue that we're having here. Um, un, unfortunately, uh, a great leader once said to me, Semper Gumby uh, was his his driving force, meaning, uh, you know, uh, kind of like the old uh, John F. Kennedy rigid flexibility. Uh, I have to flex out, but I did have one more question, uh, short answer question for you both. 
And another great leader, uh, Chief Master Sergeant of the Air Force, uh, Chief Wright, once said in a seminar when he asked what makes a good first sergeant or a good command chief, he paused for a second. He said, a good airman. In as few words as possible, what does a good airman look like to you, Senior Airman Newsom? And what does a good airman look like to you, Chief? A good airman, in my own words, is, I believe, someone who's not afraid to speak out if he sees something wrong. He leads by taking responsibility for his own actions. So, you know, a lot of times at the lowest level, you, you have a really hard time leading, you know, being the lowest on a, a totem pole, it's, it can be hard to lead, but, you know, taking responsibility for yourself is your own way to lead. You're leading yourself. And I think that's really important uh, in an airman as well. I think those are probably the two, two biggest things. And Chief? Uh, real easy, I need a team player. It needs to be about the organization, the goal, the mission, not the individual. Absolutely. I think we're going to start to close up. We're running out of time. So any last words on what we talked about for this episode or just anything you want to get out there? I'll start with you, Senior Airman Newsom. To anybody listening, I would just say as, as a leader, be the leader that you would like to follow. Um, you know, set, set the examples that you would have wanted to see just remember the mob example because that set the best one possible for me. And there are those jets. There they are. And Chief? So just remember, be a team player. That, that, is, that is paramount to the success of our organization. But also remember, and this is going to sound a little weird, it's still your career. Uh, Abe Lincoln once said, I will, prepare, uh, I will prepare and someday my chance will come. I work at a schoolhouse. I believe in leadership development. I believe in EPME, and I will tell you as we look through packages, when we're looking at job boards, as you try to join stat tours or promote, uh, we look at the things that you know are like, all right, I, I put on master six years ago, but I never did my PME until I got the opportunity to make senior, things like that. So prepare for your career as well. Set yourself up to be that team leader. And you know, it, it is important to manage your career ask questions, talk to your supervisors, get into your CFETPs and find out what your career path looks like. I like to tell people to reverse engineer your career. If you wanna be the Chief Master Sergeant of the Air Force, there is actually an avenue in the Air National Guard to be the Chief Master Sergeant of the Air Force. It hasn't happened yet, but there is an avenue. Walk that backwards if that's your goal. Find your goal, walk it backwards. What positions get you there and how do you prepare for them? That's that's amazing. Thank you both once again, uh, Chief Withers, Senior Newsom. We really appreciate you taking the time out. Yes, thank you. Nothing I love more than talking to air warriors at every level, uh, from chief all the way down to, uh, to basic airmen. I found the conversation of value. I'm sure our listeners did too. And so thank you for your time. And I look forward to meeting you both in person very soon. All right. Um, if you just found this episode randomly, uh, go listen to all the rest and share with a friend. Thank you.